even though he was the oldest, that was my best friend. He would still come get in the bed with me. We talk all night long. We take naps together. That was my best friend. And I'm like, not my baby. I did not move my children from Bruno, Alabama, where you don't have any crime, to a city that has multiple people going missing every other week, multiple people getting killed every weekend. I just want you to imagine your 19-year-old kissing you on your cheek and telling you that he's about to run some errands. You're never thinking in your mind that you might not see him again. Ricky, Rickham Samuel, Samuel, April 2nd, 2016, went missing. He was last seen at 1.30, getting into a black vehicle, never to be seen again. Today we have a great guest, which is his mother, and we're gonna allow her to tell her view of what she went through, the things she endured while he, while he was missing. Hi, Miss Erica Davis, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. We want to start off by I, what we want to know is the moment, the the very morning that Ricky went missing. What? How did that transpire? Let's see. He came. He always. It started off early Saturday morning. He got off work. Probably he made it home probably around eight because he worked the night shift at Hyundai Manufacturing, and um, he came home around eight that morning and. He always would strip because he wore long johns because they worked outside. Okay. So he would always strip down to his long johns and put his clothes in the washer and come first thing, come check on me to see how I was doing. So when he came in the room, he was just, I was already up because I was preparing to go to a friend's wedding. And um, he was just so happy, so bubbly. I never seen him so happy. He was just, just glowing. I said, son, I said, What's wrong with you? Nothing, mama. I'm just happy. I'm just happy, mama. So I said, okay. I said, um, why are you so happy? He said, I'm just happy, mama. I'm just happy. So I said, okay. I said, well, I have to go to Tuskegee to a friend's wedding, and um, I'm going to be gone a couple of hours because we always used to correspond, let each other know where we was at at all times. So I said, I'll be gone a couple hours. I said, but you know, you can call me. So he wanted to fix me some breakfast. So we came to the kitchen. He fixed me some breakfast before leaving, before I got ready to leave. And we sat down at the table and we ate. He walked me out to the car. We said, I, I, I love you and all that. And I left. He called me. And I didn't remember this until after a month. Because I was trying to remember the last words that he said to me. And I didn't remember this until after a month of him being missing. He said he, his muscles was aching because they dealt with the Hyundai cars and making the cars. Right. Uh, he said, Mama, my body is real, so I just want to soak in a tub. I said, well, I have some Epsom salt. Just take your Epsom salt bath and soak in some hot water. He said, yes, ma'am, I'll do that. So I hung up. Went on. My sister was here. Um, Those were the last words that you spoke with him? Uh-huh. Last words. Last words I spoke with him. And um, my sister seen him leave uh, with a, another co-worker. And she was taking him to run some errands because his car was in the shop. 
So uh, my sister, she she said that she thought it something was funny because the person didn't pull directly in front of my window. In my living room, it's a window where it's faced my driveway and you can see uh, any cars that come up through the driveway. So she said they pulled down from the window. So I didn't think nothing else about it that night when she told me, but I start to get a little worried, excuse me, I started to get a little worried when about eight o'clock that night, I got a real bad headache. And I told my girlfriend, I said, I'm gonna head on back to Montgomery and I'm going to go home. And I start calling my son and you know, teenagers with these iPhones, he either going to have a brush in one hand and an iPhone in the other hand. Right. Uh, he didn't answer. His phone was going straight to voicemail. I said, wait a minute. This this, this this not like my son. I called again. Went straight to voicemail. So I got home. He knew to be home by 12. That was the curfew time in my home. So I said, I'm going to give him to 1150. I'm going to give him to 1150. Before I, I get on his behind about not being home on time, I called again. I did it went right back to voicemail, so I immediately called his father, and I told him that, that I can't get a hold to Rakeem. Rakeem is not answering his phone. I said, Rakeem has to go to work tomorrow, and I said, he usually be home resting before he goes to work the next day, which was a Sunday. I said, I can't get him on the phone. So he, he said, well, just give it some time. Maybe his phone went dead. And when I talked to the young lady, she told me, she said that um, they went out to eat. They went to Subway, got some lunch. Um, and this young lady, this is this the young lady that picked him up? Uh-huh. That's okay. the young lady picked him up. Said that he... He was going to um, meet some other co-workers at Walmart and he was going to go hang out with them and he was going to come back to her house because he left some things at her house. So she said she waited and waited and waited and said he never came back. So it was a Sunday and I'm still expecting him to come home now. I'm vacuuming my car in my driveway and I know I felt somebody tap me on my back. And it was a girl, she uh, she brought, he had multiple things. He had, he had his book bag, because he had his coat in his book bag. And um, she brought it, she just bought his charger. And she was like, I'm looking for Rakeem, is he home? I said, uh, no, he's not. And I, because she scared me, because I never seen her before. Right. And she didn't see his type that he would go out with. She was like, well, I was holding his charger. Um, I got his charger right here. And I I didn't think about it until after I filed my missing persons report, the way she was holding that charger. And how was she holding the charger? That alarmed as, you? It, 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 as if she didn't want to put any fingerprints on it. Wow. That's the way she was holding it. So I thought about that and I said, okay, I'm going to give it. He didn't come home Sunday night. I was steady calling around, calling his cousins. Have y'all seen Rakeem? Have y'all heard from Rakeem? 
No, ma'am, we haven't heard from him. Called his daddy back. I said they had heard from him. So he headed from, we're from originally from Brune, Alabama. So he headed from Brune coming to Montgomery. So um, that Monday, I went and filed a police report, which was the second, third, the fourth, the fourth of April, I filed my police report. And I stopped the car because I was doing hospice at the time. I pulled over before I went to my last patient house and I called Verizon. And I told them what was going on. And I said, I need the last person that he was in contact with, the last person he called or the last text that he received. And he gave me the young lady's phone number. So upon giving me the young lady's phone number, I started calling numbers, asking have they seen Rakeem. She answered the phone. I told her who I was. She immediately bust out crying. So I'm like, okay, why are you crying? And this is before the missing persons report, or uh, this is before. This okay, this person's report. She's. I said, why are you crying? Because I, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. I said, why would I think you're crazy? I'm just looking for Rakeem. Well, uh, uh, he he got in the car with one of our coworkers, and there was also another person in the car that he didn't know. And he got in the car, and I, I just don't want you to think crazy. I said, well, that, that what you know, I need you to come down to the detective office with me to file this missing persons report, because you was the last person to see him alive. I said, um, she said she was going to Alabama State University, said she was in college, and um, she met me at the detective's office. And she told the detective office officer that I didn't see him. All I seen was the car. Um, but when we got back to my house and I started pulling records from Verizon, his call log, his text log, I'm seeing everybody he's texting. I'm seeing one number that's sticking out that he's calling, that he's talking back and forth with, back and forth with, back and forth with. So his uncle was helping me at the time because his daddy had his daddy hadn't yet made it. So while I was still I was still in the midst of trying to work and look for him. Right. So being that my brother-in-law wasn't working, he was he, he's disabled. He said, Well, I'll do all the calling and I'll be looking while you're working. So me and my brother-in-law sat on one side of the table and she sat on the other side of the table. And as we called numbers, we passed the paper to her to check mark the numbers that we called. Well, I noticed one the last sheet of paper that we gave her, she pulled a piece of paper out of her purse and she wrote a number down and slid it back in her purse. And I tell, I hit my brother-in-law up under the table to see if he caught that. So he said he looked at me. He gave me the eye. He said, well, I'm going to need you to show me what friend he, what he went to one of his, before he went to Walmart, he went to one of his best friends, one of his classmates' house. And he said, I'm going to need you to show me which classmate he, house he went to. So she said, uh, uh, I think I remember. Uh, I'll try to show you. So she brought us, and she didn't have to be to work until 9 o'clock that night. Right. Work. Yeah. 
So it was about two o'clock. I gotta go. I gotta go. I can't stay. I gotta go. She just left in a hurry. And we looking at each other. Why is she running? She's making herself to me. She's like suspect. Right. Well, well, from her, her coming to you and, and busting out crying was alarming as, as much already. So her behavior is a little off. Yeah. So I, I I was like, okay, now I'm in a situation where my child is missing. His phone is going to voicemail. I got to be careful who I talk to. So I cut her off I, because I didn't trust her. I, a red flag was there, and I felt like she was working with the person that picked him up. So a red flag came up, and I just I cut her off completely. So um, my son was missing for 90 days and he went missing from April, April 2nd to June 30th. That's, that's the, I consider April 2nd his death date, but the state of Alabama considers June 30th his death date because that's the day they found him on. Right. But um, it, it, it was re- it, just going through when you have a child missing, you can't sleep. You, you can't sleep. You can't maintain food, eating. Only thing you can do is get out there, get on the streets looking for your child. No. I need to find my child. You're going to call everybody you know to help look for your child. And that's what was on my mind. But I also knew that okay, you needed to work also to keep me busy because I was a nervous break. I, I I was just shaking. I think for the whole 90 days, I was just shaking, just just trembling all over because that was not the personality of my child to, and the demeanor of my child to not call me and let me know where he, you know, where he was at. He's always called me, mama, this is where I'm at. So um, I asked his baby brother, I said, did you get in contact with brother? He said, no, ma'am, it's going straight to voicemail. So I just completely woke up. I didn't even sleep that night. I was trying to look for my child. I, 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 I got ready. I got up to work early so I could start out early, get done with my shift and go straight to the police station so I could file a report. Right. But. As, as mothers, what I would like to say to mothers, beware of who your children's friends are. It's important. My son thought, the person that took my son's life, he thought that that was his friend. And be nosy, because I'm a nosy parent. If you live in my house and I pay the bills, I'm finna nose around. I ain't don't I don't believe in doors being locked in my house. I'm just gonna come in because I pay the bills. And be a nosy parent. Know know who your children's friends' parents are. Know everything you can about the child that your child is friends with. Know everything you can about their parent. Know the background of the child because ninety percent of People that usually get killed are killed by someone that they was friends friends with. And I how, did, just, how, how did you feel when when you 
when you literally know that you had to file the missing person report, how did you feel when you when you had to do that? I felt weak. I felt weak. I was shaken because I was like, not my baby. Not and my even though he was the oldest, that was my best friend. He would still come get into bed with me. We talk all night long. We take naps together. That was my best friend. And I'm like, not my baby. I did not move my children from Bruno, Alabama, where you don't have any crime, to a city that has multiple people going missing every other week, multiple people getting killed every weekend. And it, it, it's just, I, I, I was just, I was weak. I was hurting, my heart was aching because I wanted to find my child. I need to know where my child was. That's not like my child. And for this girl to bring me a charger cord and the way she was holding it. And then after we left out of the detective's office, you then tell me that you have his book bag at his at your house. Why you didn't get bring all that stuff Sunday when you came to my house? So I felt like she came fishing for information. So I still don't feel right about her but um you know how 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 it goes when investigations are going on um and we, and, and we want to make sure that you know i know you're still in a very active investigation and, and we want to make sure that we keep things you know in a perimeter but after at, at what time do you feel like that you felt like something definitely was not right. Like somebody might have done something to him. Monday when he did not come home. By 12 o'clock p.m. noon. When my child had came home and he knew he had to go to work. I knew something was wrong with my child. I knew something wrong. You, you, Your instinct, that motherly instinct kicks in. And you... You know, something is not right with child. Something is not right. I know exactly what you're saying because it, it. I knew at one point with my baby, it was just like you know, you you know the, you know their patterns, you know, and you know, you know, most teenagers' social media is their thing, so they're not turning off their phone too much you know that's how they communicate you know it's not like how we were when we used to go outside and meet our friends our their friends are on their telephone so when that phone goes cold you kind of know in the back of your head hey this is definitely not this is not the this isn't isn't this is very unusual behavior correct 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 that's exactly right and it makes you and then after the fact that I had to go through 90 days, that that just is heartbreaking because I had a dream. And it's like my baby came to me in a dream and he was showing me that he was in some woods. He showed me the position that he was laying in probably about my second month. 
he showed me a position that he was laying in and I seen blood coming out of his head and I seen rain falling on him and he was in some wood. And I just, I just, I woke up and I bust out crying. And Lord and behold, it rained in 2016, back in April. I want to say it rained every day for two weeks straight. And sure enough, my son was in the woods. They found him in the woods in a gully. Um, and that was heartbreaking to me because you have, they, they, they start you off when you file a missing persons report, they start you off with the missing persons unit. Then after 30 days, that's when they move you on to homicide. Well, the person that worked on my case didn't do a good job. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Didn't do a good job at all. Um, and I felt like things could have been done done better. Yesterday made my sixth year of my son um, being deceased. Um, and it's better, but I'm going through the phase of like right now, okay, yesterday was April 2nd. What was I doing back in 2016? I'm playing it every day just like this. Every day going, what did I do the next day? 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 Then I start coming back down. By the time June get in, I start coming back down. Because I know, okay, I'm over that now. I'm past those days of thinking, of, of searching every day for him. Working, pausing, looking at people to see if, is that my son? No, that's not his fault. Could that be my son going in areas that I would never go in, you know? And I just, it, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's sad when you have a child. My heart goes out to every mother that has lost a child to violence, a loss of child missing, you know, because our heart truly, truly aches. We have a broken heart. And for us not to know where our babies are, that that's that's that it pulls something from your spirit. It really does. And by the grace of God, he has kept me day by day to where I'm able to withstand and get up, get out of bed, live daily to take care of other children. So um that's 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 basically, you know how 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 I feel now. I feel now. I, I want to cry, but I catch I, I I I hold it in. Then it'll come on out. I release that. Cause you I miss your your son. Also had another coworker that came up missing. Yes, she um, did. Also around the same time. Yes, she did. Do you did. think that? Do you think at all that, that those were, um, you know, related or do you think it's just coincidental? She came, Miss Nanette Thomas came to my house. Rakeem went missing that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. She came to my house that Wednesday evening. 
this lady was crying harder than I was. She said he was one of her best workers. Said he was well-mannered. Always, yes, ma'am, no, sir. Didn't sag his clothes, and she was crying harder than I was. And I'm I'm looking at the supervisor, because his supervisor and his team leader came. She was his team leader, and his supervisor came. I just feel like the supervisor just came just to, you know, just to see what's going on. But Miss Nanette Thomas, her heart was truly in it. She sat on my couch. She talked to me, and I was so exhausted that day because I had been looking for him. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're filling up a cup and the water begins to run out, yeah. when it gets poor, that's, I felt like that that day. Right. I said, John, go out no more. She said, well, I'm going out, and I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him. And I want to say she went to work that Thursday night. That Friday night, she did not return back to work. And they don't want to say that these cases are connected. But I truly believe these cases are connected because they work on the same line. Everybody that's involved with this case worked in Hyundai. Hyundai Globus, and that, that that's a big coincidence. You, you know what I'm big, saying? Yeah. Who, who would not think to look into something like that? And they tell she, me... She's still missing, right? Yeah, she's still missing. Yeah, she's she coming up, well, coming up this week, she'll be missing for six years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's still missing. And I, I hate that for her children because she had two older um, sons and her family need closure also. Whenever I share my son's stuff, I always share her stuff because this lady was concerned about my child and I'm concerned about her. So I try to, and any other mother that's here in Montgomery, I try to advocate, you know, to speak to a mother just to minister to them just to let them know if you need me call me because i i know what you, i know what you're going through i i done been there i know how the road travels just like I, I i was recently telling you that i had a cousin and going through the motion now so i'm telling her okay this is the process you're going through now this is the process. This this is the next process what you're going through. You're gonna feel like this for the first year, you know. So um have a missing child, it's 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 not good. It's it's just not a good feeling. What, what happened the day of your phone call? The day of my phone call, actually Wednesday started my day. That Wednesday, he called me. We're working on something. I'll get with you tomorrow, which would have been, that was the 29th of June, which was on a Wednesday. The 30th was on a Thursday, I think. And, and he said, the case is moving real fast right now, so I, I can't tell you too much. I'm gonna have to get with you tomorrow. So I was here. And um, I was at home. He said, can, can I meet with you at um, 11 a.m.? I was like, fine, fine. I'll be, I'll be home. 
So I'm waiting for him. And he said, uh, we, uh, he came, he knocked on my door. I let him in. He said, we, um, we found our king. I said, and I'm like, happy. I said, you did? I said, where was he at? I said, because I am going to get on him. I said, where was he at? We found him. We found him in a gully, man. I said, a gully? What is a gully? I'm used to, from where I'm from, a gully is a ditch to me. Right. We found him in a ditch. I said, well, what is, what was he doing in a ditch? Ma'am, he's deceased. I hit the floor. Boom. And I just hollered out. I hollered out. And I told him, I, when I was able to get myself together, I looked at that officer. I said, I told you. The first time I talked to you, I told you everything that I was telling you. You was denying, you was denying, you was denying. I said, I told you. Because these people had like a two, three-day jump over, over us. And the first 40 hours is it, it's very critical. Very critical. Very. So... I, I wiped my face. I was on my knees in between my couch and my table. And I looked at him. I said, I told you. I told you. I told you who it was. You did nothing. I told you. Know who it is. And I told you. So, like every case go, every missing person, you know, my son had been there in that spot for three months. The next question I need to know is his dentist. Who is his dentist? So I sat there for a moment because I, I was still trying to take it in. I said, I can give you his orthodontist, orthodontist um, number and everything. I said he would have the most recent um, records on him because he just, he had just got his braces off his teeth. I said he would have the most recent records. And it took me I was so angry at that officer that was handling the case. I was cleaning up one day and the Lord told me it was time to forgive him. And I called this man. I had to track him down because he wasn't over the unit that he was over before. So I had to track this man down. And I, I, I finally found him and I told him, it was after after probably about four or five years then I said I, I, I've hated you for a long time for the way you handled my son's case. I said but I called because the Lord put it on my heart to call you and tell you I forgive you. I said and I forgive you and when I told him that it's like he said like a relief. Right. A relief came and he said, Miss Davis, I truly appreciate you calling, telling me. He said, thank you. I said, you're more than welcome at the end of the call. You know, sometimes we don't realize, too, and I, I had to kind of realize that with the case, those officers sometimes carry those burdens because, you know, he probably had to carry that he did. He might have didn't do what he might have wanted to do in the case and that he he might have took it lightly. Like, you know, he, he might show up because most of the time missing persons, the percentage of them usually are runaways. 
Uh And people don't, people think, oh, okay, they'll just come back and this, that, and the other. But you said something very powerful. The first 48 hours is like so crucial. And sometimes they, when, when officers get those cases, they think, you know, well, maybe this person might show up, you know, um, I see that law enforcement is starting to really take missing missing people more seriously now due to the fact of the cases like your sons you know because just the information you gave about the young lady you know it could have been way in a different direction if it would have been handled maybe a different way and that that's for the investigation but you're right though but he might have carried that burden around for a very long time not being able to give you the closure that he felt like he should have been able to give you that's right. You're right. And that's what I felt when I heard that sigh of relief. Right. Right. I don't have to carry it anymore. I don't have to carry it anymore. That's what I got from that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to Because they're, 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 we don't look on, on the side that they're on. Um, I, I tend, we tend to don't realize that they're just as human as us sometimes and they make some of the same mistakes even though some can be very crucial they still make some of the same mistakes that we make also so um that's one of the things that we hope through this podcast that we're able to kind of relay to that um there's two sides to 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 missing children you know um let me ask you a question which one do you think was the toughest do you think the waiting of not knowing or the actual news was the worst part? The waiting, not knowing. Yeah, I think so too. The waiting, not knowing, because you know this is not the character of your child. Something is wrong with my child. And see, you had to go a lot longer than I had to go. It felt like, oh my, those 90 days. Ooh. And just imagine the just imagine the parents that have never gotten closure on that, you know? Right. So, and it, and I don't think it I don't think it makes it any better either or because um there's still a part that's missing from you. Yeah. Yes. Missing yeah, missing people don't doesn't always have to be the the very person missing when someone is taken from you in a violent way like he was there's still a piece that's still missing from you and that's exactly the way I feel I still feel like that today and I get now even though my my baby boy he's in the air force and I'm like hey hey call me if you if you have to just have to leave off post I need you to call me. Let me know where you at. Because I get antsy. Being that he's in a whole other state. I'm here. I'm used to seeing him every day. Now I can't see him every day. And that's all I have. I don't have but one son left. And I'm like, and I know he get tired of it. I know he get, he, he told me, he said, mom, he said, I'm grown. I said, baby, I know you grown. I said, but you you just don't understand. I said, wait till you get children. You will understand then. I said, you're all I have. And I don't know where you're at at all times. 
I understand you growing. I respect that. But just give me that peace to let me know that you're okay. Because I, I have anxiety. And I start, he know I get real antsy, real antsy, real antsy. I get to call it back to back to back to back to back because I, I, I don't wish this on my enemy, my worst enemy, even if I had any enemies. I, 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 don't, I don't wish this on nobody, period, because this is a hard pill to swallow when you lose a child. It's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. And, I, and, and you know what? I was thinking about this because I don't, men handle their emotions different than, they, than women handle the way we handle ours because, and I think I mentioned, probably mentioned this to you, we carry these babies and there's nothing like a mother's love. Although I, I, don't, I don't discard the, the father and I know they love their, their child too, but it's just something about a mother and son relationship. And it it, it 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 breaks my heart because I never will have grandchildren from that child. Right. I never will see what as he would have been like 26 now. I never would I never will see what he would have become, you know, you know, so I think about a lot of stuff. I sit and think about a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. That's one of the main things I think that they take from us when, when, when they do that. Um, it's the memories. It's the yeah. memories that we, we won't get to see anymore. I, I you know, I, Jabez was 14, so he never would have been able to graduate, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, it's the memories that they take from us. Let me ask you a question. Do if, out of the whole case, when your son was missing, what would be some things that you would you would want to be done differently, as in um, how the case maybe was handled? I going through the case, I spoke with a state representative of Alabama, and I told him, I said they need to change the laws because they would not let me get my son on the news. My son had already been missing for like maybe four days going on five. And a state representative, someone got in contact with a state representative and a state representative called me and noticed that my son wasn't getting any, any showtime on, on TV because we needed to get his face out there. I think I, the biggest thing, I, and, and, and what this, what his, the officer that was handling his case told me I will be violating his civil rights if I put him on TV. I said, he ain't got no civil rights. I said, I, I buy his underwear, his t-shirts and socks. I said, he ain't got no civil rights. I need my son on TV. I said, I need to get his face out there. I I, will, I wish we can change that because sometimes they don't want to put him on TV unless they're their life is in danger or if they're on some type of medication or if they have a disorder uh, a disorder or disorder that inherits their impairment of judgment. Right. So I think that that's one of the things that I would like to see changed. Any person that goes missing, Amber, I don't care how old they are, 
Amber Alerts need to go out immediately. Need to hit the news immediately because we got to take this stuff serious. We really do because you got sex trafficking going on. You got people getting robbed, getting killed. And, oh, Lord, it, it's, it's, it, that, that's one thing that I would. So you think that that their face should be shown at least, especially in the first 48 hours, that yes, would make a big difference? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Because I think after about the third or fourth day, a person sometimes not even going to, because, you know, everybody goes through the stuff. Everybody in the world goes through stuff. And they probably won't even remember that four days later. Right. I say, okay, when I file my missing persons report, he need to be on the news that evening. And they need to be read the next day also. Because when it's time to run for governor or anything else, you confident. You you get playtime, playtime, playtime. We we need to help these missing children. These people grown up adults that's missing. We need to help them, get them on the news, get them out there. So their name can be known, so we can look and see faces and stuff. You know, that's that's how I feel about that. What about your community? What 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 do you what would you say about your community? What do you think that you deserve from them? Um, in my community, I have. I say I call her my angel. Her name is Felicia Bell. And my son was found, like, her brother was killed on one corner of, it's like a building that sits in the middle of where they found my son and where her brother's shot was. And some kind of way we've connected and she has a, um, a foundation called Triple J Initiative. And she advocates for murder victims and she has been such a great deal of help to me in dealing with my son's death. She's teaching me things and because I want to be able to give back. I want to be able to give back to my community, to be able to give back to other mothers, to parents, period, to anybody that's in need. Um, and she's, she's teaching me a lot of stuff. She's helped me a lot. She's, she's, it's even put my baby, she's constantly putting my baby face out there. She's putting them out there. She's putting them out there. And she also advocates for the ones that's for the families, main of all. She um she got, we just got our first cold case unit here in Montgomery. And okay. Montgomery never had a cold case unit. She falls to that cold, cold case unit. And we got it in Montgomery, Alabama. So, um, I think Montgomery could also use some more detectives, homicide detectives. Because at the time my son was missing, there was only three, three homicide detectives. And they was putting it all on one detective at the time when it went to homicide. And he wasn't too friendly. Another thing I think should change going back, I'm sorry. Another thing that I think should change is call these families because we need to know what's going on with our cases. They don't call. 
and we have rights as 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 the parents we have rights because our loved one has been killed we have we have rights call us give us weekly updates they will not do anything you call down there they don't return your calls this is what's going on in montgomery now they don't return your calls um and i'm just thankful that my case is with the da's office and um my investigator he 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 he's on top of it he's on top of it he's on top of it and i appreciate him for that but um they need more detectives down here. They need a lot of fresh new eyes here in Montgomery, Alabama. Right. A lot, lot of fresh new eyes. These cold cases get solved much more faster than at the speed they're going now. But they're getting them solved, but it's just at a slow pace. But they're getting them solved. But I think if they have more detectives, it'll get the case will get solved a whole lot faster. What would you say to the people that that harmed your baby? What would you say to them? Whenever I do an interview or anything, I always tell them I forgive them because I'm a Christian. I love Christ. I love Jesus. And in order for me to be a servant for him, I got to forgive, number one. Yes. And I tell them every time I do a newscast, I, I forgive y'all. I forgive y'all. I hate. I forgive y'all. I love y'all. I even pray for them. I, I pray for them that the Lord would change their heart, would turn them to him. Because they, they, they think they live in a good life of crime and not going to get caught. That's not a good way to live, but I forgive them. Everybody that was involved, I, for, I forgive them. I forgive them. And I've said that since, I believe, my first year, I told them I forgave them for harming my child. I forgave them. I but, you do, but you do want to know exactly what went wrong, right? I want to know what happened to my child. I do. I do. I want my dad for the closure. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, for the closure and for the peace of mind because my case has been open for six years and I need peace. Most of all, that, and then that closure, yes, I want to know what happened, but most of all, I need peace. Right. I need my and I and I, and I, I need my baby, he, and I know I know you know they tell you you know well you, you they're going to a better place I understand that but I want my baby to be at rest to know that the people that harm him are caught they're they're in jail that'll give me peace to know that this person and this person is off the streets they can't hurt anyone else because. I don't want this happening to any other mother's child, period. No one, period. And Montgomery has a bad crime rate of robbery here in Montgomery. And like I said again, once again, missing persons. That, that's pretty high. 
that's pretty high. So if there was anything that you could say before we leave, if there was anything to say to the mothers that are still missing children and not just children, just people also, what would you tell them of words of encouragement? Don't give up hope. Keep God first and keep pressing. Continue to look for your loved one. Always, don't don't stop. Keep fighting for them. Keep fighting for them. Because you're, you're their mouthpiece right now. Keep fighting, keep looking, keep pressing. Keep God first. Yeah. Well, thank you, Miss Erica Davis. You have been such a beautiful blessing to us. You you have no idea. I've been talking to my husband about you. Um, we are in, you're in our prayers. We're That's praying for you for strength and encouragement. So um, we're going to end this off. I'm Tawana Stan. This is Use Your Voice. We thank Miss Erica Davis for coming on today. And if there's any information that you can get on her case, please be able to contact us. We'll leave our information um, down below. Thank you.